while you're turning there in your Bibles, can we, can, we get our, can we get our plant up again? We planted our plant a couple weeks ago. I think it's trying to outgrow itself. The stems are getting a little tall, and they're almost too small to support this stuff. I, I told Frida I've been putting them over in the window to try to let them get some sun, and they'll all get to leaning that way. So the next day I'll turn them around, and they'll all get to leaning the other way. Amazing how they gravitate to the sun, but um, for those of you maybe visiting, you weren't here a couple weeks ago, we planted the plant um, part of a sermon illustration as a seed um, to see what the fruit would be, and we were looking at, at bearing fruit because the Bible says that we are known by our fruit. See, I know what that packet says. That packet says that inside here is some seed and that this is what they're going to be. And based on that packet, it, it tells me how high the plant should be and when I should plant it, which we planted about six weeks too early, but we won't talk about all that. We needed it for the illustration. It tells me what it ought to make and a lot of things about it. But I'm not going to know if that's what's really in there until it bears fruit. See, I, I can tell people I'm a Christian. I can act churchy on Sunday. I can act churchy around church people. But if I want people to know that I'm a child of the king, I need to bear fruit that says I'm a child of the king. And so that was the purpose of the plant was to put it in. But if you remember, we also had a challenge to not let the plant outgrow us because if we take care of that little plant and do our best to try to get it to grow, it's going to produce some fruit. But we as Christians with proper prayer and with proper Bible reading and um, proper devotions, we too will bear fruit. So my, my challenge is to, to not let that plant outgrow me, but I assure you that thing's a challenge because it's coming on. Um, Genesis chapter number 8, I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse number 13. I get my Bible. I should have been turning there while y'all was turning there. We'd all got there together. But fortunately, it's not a very difficult one to find. Amen. Genesis 8, beginning in verse 13. He came to pass in the 601st year of the first month. The first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful, multiply upon the earth. Noah went forth and his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him, and every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and of every fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. The Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. This is the text we want to look at this morning in verse number 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. For the second week in a row, the Lord has given me 
Sunday morning's message on Tuesday morning down at the rock altar at, at the prayer meeting. This morning we're going to continue in the same direction as we continue to, to look at some fruit. I'm going to look at a message, different seasons, one purpose. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us, God. Thank you for your abundant mercy. Thank you for your countless, wonderful, undeserved, free blessings that you pour out on us, God. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, God. Thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for this precious book, God, for this word that you've handed to us. Lord, I pray your spirit would move among us this morning. God, I pray you'd teach to me that you might teach through me, Father, that we might learn something about you, that we might walk out and be a better servant, that we might be a more fruitful tree, God, that you might use us to reap a harvest. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you. In the precious holy name of Jesus, amen. So here in this passage this morning, God has sent his judgment on the earth. He had given man more than 140 years of warning. He had told him repeatedly through his servant Noah that the flood was coming. Noah preached daily, repent, judgment is coming. Kind of sounds a lot like today, don't it? Repent, judgment is coming, is coming. I know you've been hearing it. You've been writing it off. You're putting it off. But, but don't be um, bothered by the fact that you've been hearing it and you ain't seen it yet. It will not be delayed. It's coming. Noah's been preaching that judgment is coming. If man doesn't repent, it's going to come. But he didn't just talk. He worked. He continued building an ark because that's what God told him to do. He told him to put it up. He told him to make preparations. When God tells you to tell the people something, that's one thing. But when God tells you to do something, that's another thing. Because to do what God said do is the evidence of the fact that you believe God. To do what God said do, that is the fruit of the labor. So he is working. He's showing what he believes in his actions. So here in our text... The flood has come, and every man and beast and every living thing that creepeth upon the earth, everything that was not on the ark that God had his servant prepare, all of that has been destroyed. Now the rain has ceased. The waters have receded. The Bible says that the earth is now dry. Verse number 17, God says it's time to leave the ark. It's time to get off this safety zone. It's time to go out. And he says, I want you to multiply I want you to be fruitful we've been through that season now we're off the ark and now it is a time to plant Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says to everything there is a season the time to every purpose under the heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted the Bible uses the analogy of agriculture to help us understand the spiritual principles of seed time and harvest. Seed time is a time of planting. Harvest is a time of gathering. Although both are necessary, those are two entirely different seasons. They come at different times. I want us to look this morning real quick at five principles concerning seed time and harvest. The first principle of seed time and harvest, in all honesty, has become a bit of a cliche in today's world. But make sure we remember it started in the Word of God. It may be a cliche, something that people use and put out there, but it is actually a biblical truth. Because the first principle of seed time and harvest is you get what you sow. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Galatia. 
He said in the 6th verse in the 7th chapter, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now that's true from both a negative and a positive perspective. If you sow negative things, you'll reap negative harvest. If we sow into things like strife and negativity, we're going to reap strife and negativity. We're going to get back what we put out. But if we sow peace, if we sow goodwill toward others, if we sow forgiveness and love and mercy toward others, the Bible says that as a man soweth, so also shall he reap. But the obvious part of the text here is if you don't sow, then you won't reap. If you don't put anything out, you have nothing to look forward to. If we worked and we cleared all the underbrush and we cut the grass and we prepared everything and we went in and tilled up the soil and we, cre we prepared a seed bed and, and had it prepared to receive the seed, but then we put nothing out, it'd be foolish to walk out there looking for our corn and our butter beans to be growing. If you prepare everything but you put nothing out, it'd be foolish to walk down to the garden every day expecting to get some fresh tomatoes today if we didn't put out some tomato plants. Amen? If we want to see somebody come to Christ, then we've got to be putting out faith, putting out seeds that lead people to faith in Christ. If we want to be a witness, then we've got to be putting out things that will draw people to the love of Christ that's in us. If we want to see our hometown changed, and we talk about it all the time, God put us on a hill to be a light in this city. We are to be a light in a dark world, a city, a light that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If we literally want to have God use us to change our hometown for the glory of God, then we've got to plant seeds in our hometown that produces godliness. On our homepage, there's the slogan. It says, changing our surroundings one soul at a time. If we want to really be that church, then we have to instill the seed of the glory of God into every soul that we meet. If we're going to change our surroundings one soul at a time, then no soul can be overlooked. Everybody that comes before us, everybody that we have an opportunity to meet, everybody that we work with, everybody that we go to school with, everybody that lives around us in our neighborhood, everybody is a soul that we are supposed to be planting godly seeds into if we're going to change our surroundings one soul at a time what you sow is what you're going to get several years ago after we had built the house we we saved up money three or four years to try to to have a yard the backyard was just a downhill wash it was just mud and clay and there wasn't anything there for the first few years while, while we were saving, but then we built a retaining wall, and we built up a seven-foot wall around it. We brought dirt in, and, and we packed all that with fill dirt that got up to height, and then we covered that with, with topsoil to prepare it for growth, and then we let it rain on it some and get packed in, and then we prepared it to plant some things. I remember Nathan Lipscomb, he's a good friend of mine up in Carrollton. Actually, he was one of my teammates at Bear Archer. We literally traveled the country together, but my dad had gotten a new tiller, one of them rear-tine tillers, 
<laughs> we never seen the rear time before. You know, I always had the ones out on the front out there. Anybody ever plow a garden with a tiller? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm in Georgia. Y'all supposed to know what I'm talking about, plowing a garden with a tiller. So, yeah, one of these rear times, it was a new one, and I guess the ground had gotten hard, and Nathan, he pulled and put that thing down, going to do some digging, but they didn't do no digging. That joker shot out there like a cannon. He went dragging him across the yard. I thought he was going over the wall with it, but he finally got a hold to it, and I thought, man, there goes one of my friends. Most of all, there goes my daddy's new tiller. I'm about to pay his hospital bill and buy my daddy another one. He finally got it stopped. We got it all plowed up, got everything prepared. Then we came in in the middle part. We had ordered a truckload of sod, and the middle part of it, we planted grass. Where we planted grass, anybody know what we got? We got grass. No, we ain't got no weeds. I said we planted grass. We put out sod. We bought a whole truckload of emerald zoysia. We put out sod, and we left the place all around it, and then the corners a little bit bigger, and we, we put the pool in. And around the pool, we went in, and we planted daylilies. Anybody know what we got where we planted daylilies? We got daylilies. Over in the corner, we put some crepe myrtles up. And today, we have crepe myrtle trees. And down in front of it, we mounded up bags that they call black cow manure. And we put annuals in there like periwinkle and begonias and things to make flowers there. And along the walkway, we put some perennials. I don't like having to redo things every year, so I like things that will come back on their own, right? So like scabolia and coleus, black-eyed Susan, things that come back and make flowers, make things pretty, and they do it by themselves. But if you planted nothing, you'd have nothing. But what we planted every year is what we have. Over in the areas like in front of the big boulders we put there and we plant lantana and over where we plant the periwinkle and stuff, if we don't plant anything there, then on that year we have nothing there. The life of a Christian is the same. The spiritual life that we live is the same. As you sow, so shall you reap. What we put out is what we can expect to get back. And if we don't put anything out, then we shouldn't really expect to be getting anything back. In the book of Hosea, the nation of Israel, the Bible says that they've sown the wind. What, what they've done is they've turned to idol worship. The children of Israel have turned their backs on God. And the story tells us that their, their main thing there is that golden calf. And even inside of the people's home, they have those little calves and they're worshiping idols they have forsaken God they have turned their back on God so God sends them Hosea a prophet and he says go warn the people and he says I want you to marry a wife of the whoredoms and the children of the whoredoms we've talked about it before y'all know her lovely name was Gomer so he marries a wife of the whoredoms named Gomer and she does what she does. She is of the whoredoms, and she goes out and she cheats on Hosea. She goes out and she lets her husband down. The reason that God had him do that is so that God's people could see what they had done. They had turned their back on God. They had cheated on God. They had cheated the one that they were supposed to be married to. And God said in, in the word of God, Hosea chapter 8, verse number 7, they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. They received the consequences of what they had sown. What we sow is what we get. I tried finding some records on where that goes to. About the earliest records that I could 
find on that was in 1654, there's a recording of a sermon that was preached that used that as the thesis of the sermon there that's put out. That would have been a little more than 40 years after the King James translation had been handed out. But then a few years later, it became a popular saying in politics. Then it became a popular saying in the business world. In 1820, a book called The Maternal Solicitude for a Daughter's Best Interest taught on the fact that one cannot reap without first putting forth an effort to sow. 1822, it showed up in the British Parliament. It said that policies enforced in the British colonies may later be applied back in England. Benjamin Butler, he was the governor of Massachusetts from 1882 to 1884. 1884, he was a Democratic presidential nominee. He was running for the Democratic Party side of presidential nominee of the United States of America. And his slogan in his campaign was, He who expects to reap must first sow. He can't reap when it's time to be sowing. The presidential crop is harvested only once every four years. 1894, an advertising company began pushing out the slogan to businesses, encouraging businesses to advertise so that they put out by advertising, then they would reap much fruit and their businesses would grow. 1911, Business Philosopher Magazine used the saying to encourage businesses to sow good action and you'll reap good habits. See, no matter how the world takes it and tries to use it, it does not change that it originates in the Word of God. As a man soweth, so also shall he reap. So what are we sowing in our communities? What are we sowing in our workplaces? Not with our, just with our lips. The lips are important, but it has to be backed up by the fruit. What is our lifestyle sowing in, in the classrooms and, and in the stores and in our communities? We look at the picture of that plant, and that plant is what it is. It is going to produce the fruit of the seed that has been sown if we take good care of the plant. But that brings me to the second principle. We'll only reap a good harvest if we cultivate what we've sown. In our just good old southern language that we like, we're going to have to work if we want to have a good harvest. We're going to have to stay in the field for a while. If we prepare the ground as we looked at and don't put out anything, we shouldn't expect anything. But by the same token, if we prepare the ground, sow the seed out on top of the ground and then leave it, we really shouldn't expect much. Because number one, the birds are going to come and devour it. And I know when we looked at that, we were looking at the four different types of soil. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the birds may <clears throat> come and devour what falls to the wayside on the beaten path. But if you leave the seed on top of the ground, they'll also devour the seed off the good ground. If you just put it out and don't work it. Not only that, but when it begins to germinate, the deer and the rabbits, everybody with the garden said, hallelujah, that's the absolute truth. The deer and the rabbits will come in and pluck it up. They'll, they'll pull up the young tender plants and eat it. But even then, if you just leave it alone, don't do anything, then, then the weeds will grow and they'll choke it out so that there won't be very much of a harvest. So we're only going to have a harvest if we work at it. The third principle is we reap in a different season from when we sow. In gardening, we, we prepare things late winter. We plant things in the spring. You work on things into the summer so that at the end of summer, you gather a crop, sometimes even on into the fall. 
there's a span between the seed time and the harvest time. It, it takes some time for our garden to become what it is that we want, to, to grow what it is that we look to eat. The same thing is true with some spiritual planting. I'm not going to go back to that a couple weeks ago, but, but we get saved. We are babes in Christ. If you do not put any time into prayer, any time into reading the Bible, any time into coming to church, any time into studying, then you will remain a babe in Christ. We cannot grow and produce without putting proper nutrition in. You, you've heard me say a lot of times everything that has happened in our past was to prepare us for today. But everything happening in our lives today is to prepare us for tomorrow. To put that in the language of our text here, we are reaping what we planted some time ago. If we put nothing in, then we're getting nothing out. The fourth principle in seed time and harvest is we reap more than we sow. Jesus said, John chapter 12, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The principle is simple. The one seed goes in. It is one seed that is well planted, that is well nurtured, that is well cared for, and it grows up and it produces much fruit. Just like the first principle that we talked about, this can be a good thing or a bad thing. If we sow wrong motives and worldly pleasures and fleshly desire, if we sow things of sin, we can expect to get worldly things back. I told you a little bit back, I know that saying things over and over is the key to boredom, but repetitiveness is the key to learning. And you've heard this one a lot of times, so I know you can say it with me. When it comes to sowing sin, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Now you've heard it, now you know it. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And sin will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. If you sow sin today, we're going to reap sorrow in the harvest season. But on the bright side, what we sow for good is the same. What we sow for good will come back with more than what we put in. If we sow into our spiritual life, if we sow into our Bible study, if we sow into our prayer life, if we sow into our church life and being faithful to the house of God, everybody write me off right here, half of you turn off. If we sow into our tithing life and do what God has commanded us to do and put those things in, God will return. If we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. If we sow into the things of God, it is God that will supply the increase. It is God that told us in Malachi 3.10, If see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there be not room enough to receive it. But first we've got to put some seed in. We've got to cultivate. But then the fifth principle is we reap into proportion to what we've sown. If we sow one seed, and one seed makes much fruit, then the more seed we plant, the greater the yield will be. Amen? So if we want to see a, a large harvest in our life, both spiritually and physically, then, then we're to sow bountifully. Paul, in his second letter to Corinth, chapter 9, verse 6, said, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So let's look at the church. Last year we, we planted. We planned Christian concerts. We built these buildings in preparation for He's Alive. We had been practicing for about two and a half months in preparation of He's Alive. We were working for a harvest that never came. We were planting seeds, putting things in, but then COVID shows up. Church doors were closed for several weeks, and it, it seems like everything that was planted last year became choked out by the storm. It seemed like everything that we were working for in the spring got choked out by the weeds. The Bible tells us that we shall know a tree by its fruit. Amen? Everybody's still with me? Many times here in the southeast, we have what we call blackberry winter. Anybody know what blackberry winter is? If you grow a garden and you live in Georgia, you suppose, or Alabama, you're supposed to know what blackberry winter is. What that means is when we got everything planted and everything's starting to look good and all the trees have budded out and all the flowers are just sticking open up and everything's beautiful, along about Easter, all that snow and ice and all that nasty stuff up north gets a southerly wind and drives all that junk down here for about three days. And we went from 70 degrees to 15, 20 degrees. We nearly freeze to death, but more importantly, it kills the harvest. Blackberry winter sometimes is so severe that it comes down and it destroys what was prepared to put out that season's harvest. I had to look back at some time. I remember, but I couldn't remember the date. Um, those of you, you ain't even got to be my age to remember it. But there, there was a major ice storm down here that, that destroyed fruit trees and crops. So I had to look it up. It was actually 1985. The headline in 1985 in the New York Times Magazine, large, bold letters, says freeze of the century damages 90% of the citrus crop in Florida. The Los Angeles Times headlines reads, Florida declares emergency over its worst freeze. The article starts out by saying Governor Robert Graham declared a state of emergency in Florida. On Tuesday, a citrus growers grimly awaited the third straight night of the worst freeze in Florida history, a chilly nightmare that's brought the state some temperatures lower than those in Alaska. Most of the state's 30,000 citrus growers have yet to recover from the once-in-a-century freeze that hit the groves just 13 months ago, costing the industry an estimated $840 million. This week's plunging thermometer readings threaten their trees as well as their crops and will require a long climb back to profitability. Back-to-back -back days of cold, bitter, freezing temperatures killed the crops. At that time, they didn't even know if the trees would survive. You have to wait it out and see. If your trees, if the limbs begin to split, then you know that tree is not going to survive. You not only lost the crop, but you lost the whole tree. The crop for that year was lost. Any, anybody with me? And anybody paying attention? The crop for that year was lost. The damage was done. The storm came in and it killed the harvest. They wouldn't know until next year whether or not the crop was going to be affected the next year. They just have to wait and see if the blooms came back. They would just have to wait and see if everything flowered out in the following season. 
This is what the Lord showed me Tuesday morning at the rock altar. It was cold Tuesday morning. It was, I don't know, windshield was like 17, 18. Wasn't daylight yet. It was cold. As the sun started peeking up and the man was praying, I was looking towards the sunrise and I could see the buds on the ends of the limbs, how they just start to swell and get the little bud before the leaves begin to, to come out. And I was, I was sitting there looking at, at the buds and the Lord began to show me about the ice storm and, and how ice storms come and affect the buds. But what about the next year? From a church perspective, Last year, the trees were budded out. Everything was put into place, but then it's like COVID hit, and it killed the buds. It's like COVID came in, and, and it destroyed the harvest. He's alive was taken away. There was no he's alive. Church doors here at Faith were closed for 12 weeks. Many church doors are still closed today. We had no judgment journey for the first time in 20-something years in the month of October. It's like the harvest was killed. We had six concerts planned at the amphitheater in downtown LaGrange with some of the top contemporary Christian artists in the country. We had the concerts planned to bring in. We were working on a blended concert. We were bringing in like um, Crowder and Zach Williams, Mandisa. We were bringing them to the amphitheater, but along with them, we were bringing Brian Free. We were bringing Joseph Haberdank, the Tally Trio. We were working on putting together a blended concert to let the world understand that contemporary Christian music and southern gospel Christian music is Christian music. Same Lord, one Lord, one Savior overall, different style, different words, same God, same blood, same principle, same worship. They're singing about the same God. And we were working trying to put that together, but then all of a sudden the storm came in and it took that away. Last year's harvest was severely impacted, but this is a new year. We can't let last year's storm kill this year's harvest. So if we want to see a harvest, we got to work the field. We got to do some things. That, that's why we put those things back in. That's why March 27th we're doing the barbecue giveaway. It's taking care of people's physical needs and spiritual needs. It's providing a meal. It's putting five, six hundred meals in the hands of an individual. But when you hand them that meal, you ask them, do you know Christ? He's your personal Lord and Savior. This is a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to get it. I'm offering it to you. But I've got another free gift that's better than this one that I need to tell you about. I'm thankful to be able to go back up here on the corner across from the mall and go back to handing out meals and in the process of it telling people about Jesus Christ. I'm excited that on April 2nd and April 3rd, we're going to be doing He's Alive right here in this sanctuary. I'm excited that we're able to work and to practice and put some things together. I'm excited that on Easter Sunday morning, Karen Peck and New River will be right here at Faith Baptist Church. I'm excited that Fruit of Her Hands ministry starts back up in April, going into the regions, going into the homeless areas, going under the bridges, taking clothes and socks and sleeping bags and food and, and toiletries and all the things that people need. I'm excited that that ministry is coming back in, in April. I'm excited that we're going forward with Camp Truth, that our children are going to be able to go down there once again, and we're going to be able to spend a week 
teaching them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just this week, I booked a concert with the Collinsworth family on Saturday, May the 22nd, right here in this building. Been trying to get them for years. Still some details to work out, but I'm excited about bringing the Collinsworth family here. Mixed, last year, emerged. The guys that just went next door, our middle school ministry, they didn't get to go to a camp like they normally did, but this year, Mix is back in the mix. That fits, doesn't it? So that they get to go to mix again this year. Pastor Brandon's been working for something for focus, been working for weeks, and you just saw the teen extreme that they're going to be going to to put things back into place. You know, last year we weren't able to do the blended concert. But in the blended concert, you got guys like the Harper Agency, and then you got Ray Flynn. They they are the Southern Gospel world. They, they, they represent the majority of the larger Southern Gospel group. And then over here, you've, you've got Mark Pritchett. Everybody knows Mark Pritchett, Rush Ministries. And Mark Pritchett does lots with the, the contemporary Christian concerts. So those, those are the people that was brought together. So it seems like we, we lost something. It, it seems like we lost a blended concert. But let me tell you, the fruit that came out of what the devil thought he did by taking it out. Ray Flynn has partnered with Mark Pritchett, who is backed by Holt International, and we now have 40 days and 40 nights at the Noah's Ark Museum. What that is is 40 days of concerts, 40 nights of concerts of bringing the two worlds together. The, the Collinsworth family. I mentioned the Collinsworth family. It's one of the families I would have liked to have had as part of the blended concert. If you don't know the Collinsworth family, they're amazing. They're just one of the families of, of gospel music. I have been trying to get them here for three or four years. They're just that popular. Getting them on a Sunday morning is almost impossible unless you book them a year in advance. They're, they're just that much in demand. They're amazing. I wanted to get them here. I haven't contacted them in a long time. All that happened, we lost the concerts. It was done, right? Guess who contacted me two weeks ago? You're going to love this. Do you know who the promoter is? This is a Southern Gospel family, the Collinsworth family. This will be a Southern Gospel concert right here at 552 Hammett Road, Faith Baptist Church. Do you know who the promoter is that contacted me and asked us to do this? Joy FM. See, I'm amazed that Georgia and Florida's contemporary Christian music leader is putting together some Southern gospel concerts. And because of things that we've done and worked with them in the past, that they would bring it here. See, when we agreed to go forward, when we agreed we're going to do He's Alive this year, we agreed that there's going to be some bumps in the road. We agreed that it may not be easy, but if we put the buildings up, then he's alive has to take place. We put them up last year, I had to take them back down. So we knew, we even talked to you, the cast. We told you going in, there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some COVID cases pop up. There's going to be some things happen as we practice and try to get ready, and we didn't have to wait long. First week, last week of practice, we already got people quarantined this week because people do have jobs during the week. People around other people during the week, and they get exposed during the week. And here we are at the second week of practice, and we already got some people that, that can't be at practice. It is what it is. 
we work the field until the harvest season. Amen? Practices today. We just continue working. I, I told you last week. I, matter of fact, I didn't want to tell you. I ask you to pray with me. And I am asking you to pray with me. Because I'm telling you now, Lord willing, make a way. I have every intention of opening this building to 100% capacity for he's alive. I just don't see letting 500 in and locking 500 out. The building seats 1,200 and something people. I don't see limiting it to 400 and something people in here. I can't tell you that's going to happen. That's why I'm asking you to pray, amen? Everybody believe in the power of prayer? We used to pencil things in. We said, just pencil that in. Don't write an ink yet, and that way we could erase it. We don't even get to pencil it in anymore. It's like we write things on water, and that way any little pebble that hits the water just washes it all out. But where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there are no plans, there is no direction. So we make plans, and we go forward looking for this year's harvest. So the question is simple. Will we allow last year's storm to kill this year's harvest? It's up to us to continue to work, to, to put out the gospel. I, I mentioned last week, I remember I talked about the big game. We, we looked at the national championship has been the big game of the year and how Gary Johnson had talked about you bring all your players to it. But we talked about being the big game. This is the biggest game of the year for the devil. It's like he's bringing all of his big players. America has always, for over 200 years, has been the stronghold for Christianity around the world, and the devil hates it. The devil's not in this game for fun. He's in this for blood. This is a real deal. He is in it. This is the battle for the souls of men. This isn't a game of touch football. Eternity is at stake. Where people will spend their eternity is at stake. Can I tell you that the devil hates you? The devil's fate is sealed. He knows where he's going. And he wants to take everybody that he can with him. And he's doing his best to do it. But if you're a child of the king, if you've been washed in the blood, he can't take you with him. But he can hate you while you're here. And he hates everything you represent. He'll do everything he can to destroy your fruit so that nobody sees that you're a child of the king. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to take away everything. He wants to make sure that the world never sees the joy that lives inside of you as a child of the king. The devil's in this for keeps. Church is the bride of Christ. We are the fruit of the Lord's sacrifice. It's the devil's desire to destroy the church. COVID, COVID's not an accident. COVID is a test. COVID, COVID is a challenge. There's a, there's a span between seed time and harvest time. But at the time in between, it's not a time of waiting. It's a time of working. We are to be working now, not, not just put out seed and wait, but we are to be working if we want to see a harvest. So the question for one is, what are we planting in 2021? 
Remember where we started. Whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get. If Faith Baptist Church, if we saw a huge harvest at the end of 2021, what would the harvest be? It's going to be based on whatever we put out. Are we planting seeds of doubt and fear? Are we planting seeds of uncertainty, anxiety? Are we planting seeds of, of church closing? Are we planting seeds of stay at home on Sundays and isolate ourselves from others and keep away from people and stay socially distanced? Are we planting spiritual weakness? Are we planting lack of faith? What is it that we're planting? Or are we planting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? So that at the end of the year, if there's a great harvest, what that harvest will be is lost people out there on those streets came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior so that the family of God has grown. I, I just don't understand if the bar rooms can open and people can sit around and drink and socially gather, why can't the church? I just... I just want to know if the strip joints and all their filthy garbage can gather and sit around tables and do the filthy stuff that they do. Why can't the church gather? I just, I just want to know if, if stores can funnel people through and the malls and the Home Depot and the Walmart and the grocery stores can funnel people through by the tens of thousands every week, then why can't the church? I'm not downplaying COVID. I'll go and tell you that one. I'm, I'm not one of those, and I'm sorry because I'm going to get in trouble with a couple of kids if I use the word stupid, so I can't say stupid, but I can think it. <laughs> so I'll just leave the word out and say I'm not one of those that believes COVID's political. I've been... I've been to too many funerals. <laughs> preach too many funerals to believe it ain't real I've seen too many of you I've seen too many of you suffer I've seen too many of you at home for months I've seen too many of you still trying to recover from COVID you had weeks and months ago and still trying to get your wind back still trying to get your stamina back and still trying to get your strength back I've seen too many of you go through it to think it's not real I've seen my daughter come home from work in ICU Noonan, exhausted at the end of a day from taking care of COVID patients all day and brokenhearted because people they had developed relationships with and they were trying to save died there in, in the ICU units. I've seen too much of this to believe that it's not real. So I'm not downplaying COVID, but will we allow it to stop the church in its tracks? I'm not downplaying COVID, but I'm not giving it credit to be bigger than my God. I'm not giving it credit to be larger than the God that I serve. If the world can get together and do what they're doing, then the church can get together and do what we do. 2020's harvest was severely damaged. But will we rise above it in Christ in 2021? Will we be the church? We've used the example so many times, but again, about repetitiveness. If we're going to be a light in a dark world, the darker the world is, the brighter the light appears. If we're going to be a light in a dark world, now's the time to shine. 
Now's the time to do He's Alive. Now's the time to go forward with the preaching of the gospel. Now's the time to hand out meals. Now's the time to go back to the homeless and the helpless and the hurting and hand out clothes and food. Now's the time to be the light. Our text says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Band, if I get you guys, come on, come on up. If we can, if we can put on a mask and, and go into a grocery store, and if, if we can put on a mask and go, go into Walmart, and we can put on a mask and go into the mall and the Hobby Lobby or the Home Depot, if we can put on a mask and go into restaurants and go around people and sit down at tables around other people who are also eating and we can sit down and, and have dinners, if we can put on masks and be in all those places, surely we can put on masks and pray. Surely, surely if we can put on masks and be around people in public places, surely we can put on masks and be around people in the altars. I'm going to ask if you would, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet, and I want you to pay close attention just for a minute. If you can, if you're not, one of the medically fragile, and we have several who are. And if you are um, at high risk, I'm going to ask you to stay where you are and pray. If, if you're bothered, if you're upset by being around people, I'm going to ask you to stay where you are and pray. I don't want you to make yourself uncomfortable. I'm not looking for that. But if you can, I'm going to ask you to let's find a place in this altar because I'm tired of seeing it empty. And let's pray and ask God to empower us as his people. Ask God to help us be a light in a dark place. Help us to be what he's called us to be. Let's pray together and ask God to, to energize us, to give us victory over the enemy, to put a hedge of protection around this church, to protect us from covid to protect us from all the other things that are going on. Ask him to keep a hedge of protection around us and to give us strength to be everything that he wants us to be. I'm going to ask you to pray in accord with the staff. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I'm going to ask you, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. I want to open the church to 100% capacity for he's alive, but only if it is wise to do so. And only God can show us that. I want to be found in a place called the center of God's perfect will. Can, can, I, just, can I just put this out? J just as a good little reminder to the church. Don't think we're going to go forward without the devil opposing it. You can't move forward in the work of the Lord and not expect opposition from Satan who works to hinder it. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We, we have to, to expect opposition. But as I've said many times, if you expect opposition, then you won't be surprised when it gets there. Go ahead and pray it forward. 
Go ahead and be praying for the opposition that we know will come, that God will give the answers and provide the answers for such a time when we get to them. You know, in the book of Luke, Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. He told them to go out and preach the gospel. He said, heal the sick and cast out devils. Freely you've been given, freely give, and he sent them out. But in chapter 10, the Bible says that he sent out 70 others also. And he sent them out and he commissioned them to go out. But he said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said this, Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Here's the deal. It's not our harvest. It's his. We're just laborers in the field. We're just the ones that were sent out at a certain hour. We're just the ones that are there to do what God has given us to do. Let us pray accordingly that God would use us to reach a lost and dying world. That God would use Faith Baptist Church to empower us to rise above. That's not downplaying COVID. That's just not giving it more credit than it deserves. Right now, we're in a testing season. I said a while ago, this is a test. COVID come, we're in a test. I believe that. But there will be a day when our test will become our testimony. One way or another. Whether it be good or whether it be bad. Whatever we do, every test will become a testimony. Depending on how we handle the test. I want to see God use us to do mighty things. I want us to stand before God when Jesus comes and gets us. I want us to be found faithful. I I don't want him to come and find our doors closed. I don't want him to come and find our building half empty. I don't want him to come and find us not working to serve him. When Jesus steps out on the cloud to come get the children, we're to be found faithful. We're to be found working. And the only way to do that is to work every day until he comes to get us. Go ahead, brother. I was lost. I was in chains. I had a hope. My heart was. I was covered in shame when you came for me. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is all. in my soul I'd never be the same I stepped out of the dark into the light when you call my name I couldn't run couldn't run from your presence no I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus 
Jesus, he loves me. Love us. I can have you close your eyes just for a minute. He loves me is all inclusive. If you're a child of God, if you're a child of the Lord, you've been saved, you've been washed in the blood, you already know that. You already know he loves you. You already know that your sins are forgiven, separated as far as the east is from the west. You already know that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But can I tell you, if you've never been saved, he loves you. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to die for the ungodly because without Christ there is no godly. So if you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you've never been saved, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you so that you could be saved. And you can do it right here, right now. You can do it in this building. You can do it on live stream. You, you can do it on, on YouTube. You can do it wherever you are, whatever time of day, whatever day of the week. You can trust Christ right now. But it's a surrender of the heart. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. It's not lip service. It's not professing something with the lips and going on to live your life in the ways of the devil. It's bearing new fruit. It's trusting Christ that he might come in and save our soul. And there'll be a change in the heart that we might bear godly fruit. But if you're willing to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right where you are, you can be saved right now. You can be just as much a child of God as anybody in this place. But it's your choice. The gift is free. The gift is offered. But the gift has to be received by you. God, thank you so much for saving sinners like me. Thank you for loving the unlovable like me. Thank you for washing away sins of a sinful person like me. Thank you for loving me in spite of me. Thank you for loving us, your people, God. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that cleanseth all sin. Thank you that your word says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, God, that I'm a whosoever. And, Father, I pray right now there'd be some whosoever's out there. I pray that today, right now, in this message, that somebody would come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray, God, that you would take this message and help us, your children, to move forward in the boldness and the confidence of God 
knowing that you have your hand upon us, knowing that you're not going to send us into anything that you can't get us through. God, if you walk us into a fire, it's because you're already in the fire. You'll bring us out of the fire on the other side. If you put us in the storm, it's so that you can speak and calm the seas. God, you know everything before we get there, Father. God, I pray you'd walk us through this trial that we're in, this test, this storm, this season. God, I pray you'd help us, your people, your church, to rise above COVID and be a light in a dark world. I pray that millions would come to know Christ through the light that your church shines out while the world is crying, stay home and be still. May your church cry out, come forward and be saved. God, I pray you'd use us at Faith Baptist Church as a mighty tool in your hand, God. I don't want to be a tool in a, in a tool drawer on a bench. I want to be in your hand, Father. Help us to be a usable vessel. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection about this campus for all that's here. I pray you'd bless every family represented. I pray you'd anoint them and touch them as we go forward. Use us, Father, to reach somebody on the streets. I pray a hedge of protection around the, this family of Faith Baptist Church from COVID from all the things that the world has. I pray today for the practice, God, that he's alive. I pray you'd anoint it, Father. I pray you'd move in a mighty way. May we be energized today as we even practice for this play, God. We love you. You've been good to us, Father. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen.